If you're like most of us, you own a pet. In fact, two out of three households in the U.S. own a pet. So if you want to hear a little bit more about a unique concept focused on your pet's health called Pet Wants, take a listen to Danita Karani, Franchise Brand President for Pet Wants, as she talks about the concept as well as her career in their franchise proposition. Welcome to the Franchise You Podcast, where key industry leaders provide education and inspiration. Here's your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser, the director of the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. So welcome to another episode of Franchise You. With me today, I have Danita Karani, who is the franchise brand president for Pet Wants and an advocate for business excellence. So glad you're here, Danita. You've had a very active and diverse career. You initially founded your own company, Caring for the Elderly, in the medical alert space. You then had a few senior roles in sales and ops, then moved to franchising with becoming a franchisee of Jovi, which was formerly known as College Nannies and Sitters. You actually owned the brand's first franchise in Atlanta and stayed with that for about 10 years. Then you went to work for the franchisor, a senior director of ops. So you've experienced both sides of the franchise business model. After serving the elderly, then college and kids, you've changed your focus to pets as you are now with Pet Wants, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But first, let's talk a little bit more about you. So Danita, can you please provide us with a few highlights of your career? Well, thank you so much, Kathleen. It's great to be here today. So, you know, I think uh, highlights of my career, and, and you hit those, I have been able to serve populations that matter so much to me. You know, I started my career serving the elderly and the disabled, and then in that middle part, it was families and children and making that difference in the time period that it was so important to me because I was raising my own children. And so I knew what having great childcare meant for, for busy parents. And now I'm helping pet moms and dads take great care of their dogs and their cats. Mm -hmm. And so having the opportunity to now help franchisees serve their communities in that fashion is so exciting. Um, and so all along my career, in every role I've had, I've had the opportunity to have that end user be a population that's so important to me. Oh, I love that. And you're right when it comes to pets, and we'll talk about that industry in a moment, but my goodness, it is a large one. It so is for sure. It really is. So what was the best part about being a franchisee? You know, it was that uh, you, you have your own business, right? And you are, I'm very entrepreneurial by nature. I love uh, driving those results and making those decisions. Um, I'm, I'm a risk taker. I love that, you know, risk reward back and forth, that pendulum of that. Um, but having owned a business that wasn't part of a franchise system, I understood that being part of a franchise system gave you that support system. And I really intentionally looked for that support system when I bought my college nannies and sitters franchise. Um, I wanted somebody else to have done the research on the computer system that was going to run my back office. I wanted somebody else 
to do the marketing assets for me. I wanted somebody else to have written the ops manual for me, right? And so that's the benefit of being part of a franchise system is you've got somebody else doing that. And so what I got to do was hire great staff and sell customers and do that feed on the street at the local level. Oh, so well said, because that is the beauty of the franchise model is it provides that proven business model for you so that you can focus on your business, running your business with your customers. Right. So that that's fantastic. So how do you think being a franchisee helped you in your franchisor role now leading this brand? You know, and I found this um, was so crucial to me when I moved to the franchisor side at my last brand. And it's been so essential here as I've settled into my role at Pet Once. I really do look at every conversation and every decision through both lenses. I, I understand it through both sides of the equation. I literally this morning had a conversation with one of the other brand presidents, I'm so blessed that I work for a company that has five brands. And so I have four other brand presidents in the building, right? And so I just had a conversation with one of our other brand presidents this morning, and we were talking about a decision that impacted a franchisee. And I was able to look at it from what would be good for this franchisee and also good for us at the franchisor level and what made sense for both sides and and what would make it that it was good for the franchisee and good for us and and how could we come together and make something good happen for everybody right mm-hmm. and i think that's what i can bring to the table is that i've got both sides of that equation in my background and in my experience and so when they say walk in their shoes you have i do so that yes that definitely yes. makes a difference And your empathy gene is probably way high when it comes to that. It is. So which role do you enjoy more, the franchise side or the franchisor side? You know, I think that at different times in my life, I have enjoyed them differently, right? How I came to be on the franchisor side was that as I was approaching my 10th year of owning my franchise, I knew I was ready to move on to something else. And so I was preparing my exit strategy and I didn't know what lay on the other side of that exit strategy, but I had begun the process of preparing the business for sale. Mm -hmm. And then the opportunity to join the franchisor presented itself in the right timing. And that's how I became part of the other side of the equation. And so for those 10 years, I loved being a franchisee. Mm-hmm. The day I love being the franchisor and being able to share that experience and then being able to, to help over 100 today in this brand. But we have over 100 franchisees wow. and we're going to be over 200 franchisees within a few years, right? And knowing that we're making a difference for that many small business owners, I, that that fires me up every single day. Of course, I can definitely see that. What a what a great response! And you know, I really admire you for having an exit strategy. We I talk about that in our studies here at U of L, and many times franchisees don't think about that. So that is really impressive. 
So let's talk now about pet wants. And I told you earlier that I visited the pet wants here in Louisville, Kentucky. It's actually in Prospect. And oh my gosh, what a store. But let's talk about the industry. And I didn't know this. So I looked up some stats, but spots.com provided some really interesting statistics in early 2022. And they shared that pets, pet products, and care are a part of a $103.6 billion national industry. And 40.5% of that revenue is from food and treats alone. Now, I don't know why that surprised me having a basset hound like I do, but it, but it did. So, and a few other amazing stats that really make your goal of doubling your franchise base achievable is that the pet industry grows by 11.6% annually. The average pet owning household spends $1,120 a year on their pets um, or more, I might add. I was going to say, or more, if if you're like mine, right? (laughs) Me too. Two out of three American households have a pet, and globally, the industry totals $232 billion. So what are your thoughts about this growing, incredible industry? So, I mean, the numbers are spot on. Uh, In fact, by the end of 2022, uh, the food and treats alone were approaching $50 billion in the U.S., right? And and the double digit growth of that, I, we're talking billions with a B, right? I yes. mean, the, the, those numbers are staggering. Um, and so the market potential is we continue to capture just another small percentage point of that massive industry allows for continued exponential growth in our brand. Um, and we are targeting a specific customer. We're targeting the customer that's really interested in the health and nutrition of their pet. They are interested in making sure that their pet has high density nutrition, high protein in their food, that they're not having additives or uh, things that their pet doesn't need that their treats are made naturally, right? With with not having preservatives, that, that that's the person that we're targeting. And that person continues to add pets to their family, right? So right. not only is the, is the industry as a whole growing, the target demographic of our brand continues to add pets to their family. So as you look at the demographics of our target customer, the, the customer base just continues to grow. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can see that. I can see that. So let's talk about Pet Wants itself. So it was started in 2010 by a couple who were searching for solutions for their dogs. They had dogs that had some allergy problems, skin problems. Right. And they actually formulated this. And then they started franchising in 2015. But I'd like you to tell us the story, please. Absolutely. So, uh, yes, yeah, so this couple's pets had all these allergy issues. They'd gone to the vet. They had tried dozens of different kinds of foods and they just loved their animals so much that they were insistent that they were going to find a solution to this. And so they began to try to mix different types of high protein uh, foods together and eventually found something that worked. And so they went to a local pet food manufacturer right here in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And 
had them manufacture this food in super small batches. And small batches is something that's really important because we continue to manufacture in small batches today. That's one of the keys to our high nutrition is that it is continued to be manufactured every six to eight weeks rather than every six months or every eight months, right? So that that's one of the keys to the high nutrition. Um, and so this couple, they had a super small store down in Finley Market, which is one of the oldest public markets in the U.S. Mm-hmm. The store is still there. Uh, it was one of the first places that I visited when I was getting to know the Pet Once brand. Um, and they began to sell the food out of that market, but realized that not everybody came to Finley Market. And so the couple began to take their their show on the road, so to speak, and began to go to farmer's markets and community events and began to give out samples of their food to people at these events. And they would give out one pound samples to people and say, take this home and have your dog or your cat try this and see if they like it. And if they do, then come back and buy more. And suddenly, and then they added delivery right? We're going to make it easy for you because it's sometimes it's tough to park down at Finley Market because it's in the middle of downtown Cincinnati, right? So we're going to make it easy and we're going to bring it to you. And so this business was born out of a love of pets, an insistence that food could be the healer and making it easy and convenient for pet parents to take the best care of their parents. And even now, delivery is free is what I understand, at least here in Prospect. That, yes, absolutely. And that's such a key component for yeah. uh, a vast majority of our customers is that simple ability to s- set it and forget it, right? Yeah. I need 20 pounds of food every four weeks. I set a subscription to it. And every four weeks, like clockwork, my local pet once is going to deliver that to me. Oh, that's awesome. I also think the the fact that you offer one pound bags because I was able to try some for my Basset and usually you have to buy a 20 pound or 15 pound bag and waste it if your dog's picky. That's a, that's a real, that was a real selling point to me. Yes. You got to, right. Try it and see, right. And you know, there's a lot of value in mixing it in with existing food. So you don't upset their, their tummies. Right. And there's a lot of different ways to, to try that out and make sure that we're taking good care of our pets in the process. Even though I have to give you all a, an advertisement without meaning to my Picky Basset Hound loves your food. I was shocked. <laughs> Without yeah. anything, just dry. She just loves yum it. yum, right? Yes. So that was impressive to me. Of course, she loves yeah. the treats. She loved. She's never met a treat she didn't love. But that was impressive. So um, it's really, it's really great food. So what is the mission of Pet Wants? So the mission of Pet Wants is to provide um, high nutrition food mm-hmm. that uh, helps pet parents in keep our pets healthier and live better lives longer. And I think that's what really makes you unique is the health aspect of the food and the fact the small batches is such an interesting component and the frequency in which that in which it's prepared or manufactured. I hadn't even thought about that. So that is an excellent point as well. That are, so food is manufactured and delivered to our franchise owners, like I said, every six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And so 
Um, you know, what most people don't realize is that even in specialty pet food stores, certainly in big box stores, the majority of that food has been manufactured 6, 12, or 18 months ago because it has preservatives in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just think about our food. The longer ago that it was made, the less nutritious it is, right? right. It, as soon as something gets made and processed, the nutritional value starts going down. With our food, it's made fresh. It's made at low temperatures. So it all the nutrition doesn't get baked out of it. And so then it, it's fresher. It It's on the shelf for a less period of time, which one, one of the reasons that the, the dogs like it so much, it still smells fresh. Yeah. It tastes fresh. It's softer. So it's not that hard kibble that's tough for them mm-hmm. to chew on. I have a senior dog uh, that she's 14. She doesn't have any trouble chewing on the kibble, right? Interesting. So uh, there's a lot of reasons that yeah. it's really healthier for our dogs and cats. And the reason this is important is I read another statistic that stated 85% of consumers think pet food companies are not as transparent as they should be about their ingredients and sources. So all this conversation about pet wants feeds right into that. It does. It really does. And, you know, I think that, I mean, we've had so many stories over the last few years about things that have been in in bags of of pet food that that people just can't believe are in there. Mm. Um, I think it's really important to read the the labels, right? And, Mm -hmm. And to understand it. One of the things that we have, even for a small company like Pet Wants, we have a nutrition expert on our staff. And so our franchise owners, as part of their training to become a franchise owner, they receive 16 classroom hours of nutrition training. And then they have access to our nutrition expert on an ongoing basis. And so if a customer has a question about you know, what about this and what about this ingredient or my dog has this situation, if the local owner doesn't know how this ingredient might impact this condition, they have a nutrition expert on our staff that they can go ask that question to. Oh, that is really a benefit. Absolutely. Oh, that's amazing. So let's talk about your FDD. I always love to read these FDDs. And as I was looking through them, I found some really interesting items to discuss. So first, your franchise territories are 100,000 people. How did you come up with that territory decision? So, um, you know, we wanted to make sure that uh, based upon the number of pet owners, Right. And we know Mm -hmm. that uh, two out of three households has at least one pet Right, Uh, that um, that franchise owners would have enough pet owners within their territories uh, to build a business. And Mm -hmm. so um, that's where the hundred thousand population came from, is to make sure that they had sufficient pet owners in their territory. Makes sense. Makes sense. And you do allow your franchisees to start as a mobile unit, but they have 12 months to open a store location, which is a recent change. Would you talk about that, please? Absolutely. Uh, Certainly. So uh, in the past, they um, franchise owners could remain as a mobile as a permanent option. But what we found is that um, while we do have some successful mobile only franchisees, Mm -hmm. the vast majority of our top performers do have a retail location. 
And so we want to make sure that we're setting franchisees up for success, right? And we have to look at past performance as an indicator of future success, right? Let's let the data drive us to, to our decision-making. And so um, one of the things that we have added to our model is grooming services. Uh, and so our new franchisees, starting with our 2022 FDD, they start mobile. It allows them to start getting cash flow, become introduced and ingrained in their community. They do community events, farmers markets, uh, begin to get to get their name out there, get customers, start delivering to people while they're looking for their retail location. And while once they get their retail location, we are recommending that they have a shared space that has a retail footprint along with a grooming uh, capability in the same retail location. This allows them to really have take care of the whole health of that pet, right? So you're taking care of their exterior health while you're taking care of their interior health with food. You're providing them with a healthy coat and skin while you're taking care of their interior health with food. It also, from a business perspective, gives you built-in cross-selling opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. Your groomer is going to notice things about their skin, which then allows you to make recommendations for food. Right. Your food-only customers gives you an opportunity to cross-sell them. Would you like to go ahead and make an appointment for a bath? Yeah. It's, they're, they're really complementary services that help you provide income and dual revenue streams that support the business as a whole. Oh gosh, that reminds me of whenever I get a facial, they always want to sell their products as well. And typically they work so well that, that I buy that them. you want that, right? That's exactly right. And it's a benefit. Ah, oh, that's great. You know, I was also really impressed by the generosity of Pet Wants to their franchisees in, in a number of rebates and referral fees. And so one that was very interesting is called the Winner Circle for new Pet Wants franchisees. And it's my understanding that they earn certain levels of revenues, they could actually earn back over a period of time their entire franchise fee. Could you tell us about that, Danita? I can. And this was one of the most exciting things that I learned about when I was exploring this opportunity, having been a franchisee, right? And right. paid my franchise fee. Um, so, uh, as a pet wants franchisee, there are revenue levels that at the uh, from two years, three years, four years, and five years that are established up front. That if your new business hits those revenue levels, that you have the opportunity to earn the entirety of your franchise fee back. Wow! In ten thousand dollar increments. That's so incredible. If you at the two-year mark hit the target for revenue, you receive $10,000 back of the franchise fee that you paid. And then at three years, if you hit that next uh, aggregate revenue, you get another $10,000 back. And it, it it's, it's just an amazing program that uh, rewards you for growing your business, right? right. Um, right. I, I don't don't, I'm not aware of any other program out there like that. I'm not either. And I've read hundreds of FTDs. So that's why I pulled that one out. I thought that was fascinating. And, and definitely it puts the franchisee first. And it does. 
incenting that growth, which will benefit everyone, right? Yes. So, oh, that, that is just great. A couple of other things. Let's talk a little bit about marketing. So I noticed that when you have a mobile franchise, the FTD states that you have to approve the vehicle. Is that because it serves as advertising and marketing? Yes, exactly. Um, and, you know, with our new FDD, of course, since they're going to be uh, mobile for the first year, right. typically most of them uh, will go with a less uh, investment in their vehicle because they may or may not uh, be doing that longer term. But but we do recommend that they consider having a delivery van that has a vehicle wrap because that is marketing for their business, right? They're in the neighborhood delivering food. You want to have your website on there. You want to have your phone number on there because your na- the neighbor is going to say, oh, wait, they're delivering food, right? What is yeah. that? Um, and so that's really important. So the vehicle itself is not as important as the marketing that's on the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting to say that we're having our home painted right now and they have a plain van. And I've had several neighbors say, who's doing your work? Who's it? Right. Who's at your van? I mean, who's yes. at your home? Yes. Right? And I'm, that's a missed opportunity. Oh, so, totally. So you talked about the web pages and your franchisees have their own web pages that seem to be linked to your main page. So can you talk about that? Yes, absolutely. It's really important for local marketing that everybody has their own page, right? And so, you know, we maintain the national web presence, uh, but every franchisee does have their own local page that allows them to have local e-commerce. Local customers can purchase food and treats and other items on the local page, They can place delivery orders on the local page. That also allows our local franchisees to set their own pricing. We obviously can't and and wouldn't dictate local pricing. Uh, And so that allows every owner to be in control of their own pricing at the local level. Gotcha. Also, they're required to spend $1,000 a month on advertising. What do they usually do with that? So a lot of that is spent on local uh, pay-per-click advertising, uh, search engine marketing, Um, It's also spent on events uh, and registration, uh, various items that they will use at those events. Um, Some of them are uh, some are still doing some forms of print, depending upon the situation. Right. So uh, they may be in programs at local high schools or uh, other community publications where they feel like they need to make those connections. But the vast majority, uh, social media is also a big spend. Paid social media uh, is also a big place to spend. Oh, that makes sense. And I watched a video of a franchisee talking about pop-up markets, and I was fascinated with that. So can you tell us what that means? Yep. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of, um, particularly around the holidays, uh, you know, think about a lot of places that will um, have, oh, we're going to have a market here with local uh, vendors, like a craft market or a local vendor market for the month of, you know, from Thanksgiving to Christmas or some other that they call that a pop up market. Gotcha. And so they'll have a table there. Uh, some of them are, are every day. Some are just on the weekends. Uh, and a lot of our pet wants franchisees will take advantage of those extra opportunities to introduce their products to the community. 
uh, makes sense. That's, that's makes a lot of sense. So you're an emerging brand and you're growing fast and true to your generous spirit. You even provide existing franchisees with a referral fee if they refer new franchisees. So can you describe your typical franchisee and what makes them successful? So, um, you know, they're obviously they have a passion for pets. Um, I, I, there, I can't think of any franchisee in our system that is not passionate about pets. Um, they almost always have a story about their own pets. Um, and you know, a health issue or, uh, just how much they love them and how important they've been in their lives. So that that's a big part of it. Um, typically it, it, they're, Professional background is so varied. Um, I, I, there's really no main professional background. Like we have people from all walks of life that have been successful in our system. And I find that really refreshing mm-hmm. uh, that, that the business itself and our training and our support lend itself to people coming from all walks of life can be successful. Um, our most successful uh, mobile franchisees uh, are both retired target executives, right? Yeah. Uh, our, some of our most uh, successful uh, retail franchisees uh, are IT, are, are out of the IT world. Like, so, it, I mean, they're just from all different walks of life, right? Um, but they are, if they're successful franchisees, they are passionate about pets. Mm -hmm. They are willing to follow a system. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be the same in any franchise system, not just pet ones. Right. They're willing to hold up their hand and ask for help when they need it. And they're willing to share what makes them successful because then we can learn and help share it with other people. Exactly. Exactly. Well said. So in a news article, you talked about your thoughts on the franchise model, and it was so eloquent. Would you please share that? Sure, absolutely. Um, I, I, now, and you shared it with me, and now I don't know what I what I said. Um, <laughs> you talked about franchising allows everyday people to build a lifestyle. It does, you know, and it really does. Um, you know, everyday people um, yeah. to create a life and a lifestyle for themselves that is really what they want. Um, you know, and again, if, if they have the passion for what they do and they are willing to work really hard, because even though you own a franchise, you still have a small business, which means yes. you're going to have to work really, really hard. It right. doesn't, it's not successful just because it has a brand name on it. Um, you have to work really, really hard, but you can create a life and a lifestyle for yourself. You can grow income and wealth for your family. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can leave a legacy, uh, for yourself and your family. And, um, you can be in business for yourself, but you're not by yourself. Yes. And you can be a part of something that's bigger than yourself. And that's so exciting to me. I love that. Thank you. So, Danita, two last questions. You have had quite a career. What are you most proud of? I think uh, something I alluded to and spoke to very early on is that 
I think what I'm most proud of is that in every role I've had, I have been in a situation where I have served a population that's important to me. And I know that it's really important that, I mean, I know I'm grateful that we have somebody that makes sure that my, the uh, fancy copier, faxer, scanner outside my office works. Right. And that's important to me. Um, But the fact that my career has focused on three populations that are just to the core of who I am is probably the thing that I am most proud of. As you should be. That's wonderful. So my last question, is there anything you wish you had known when you entered this world of franchising? Um, I think that I wish I had known one of the things I just said, which is that, um, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had owned a business that wasn't part of a franchise before and was successful there. Um, I, it what I wasn't afraid of hard work when I entered franchising, but I expected to my franchise business to be successful faster than it was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I wish that I had um I I wish I had had a better sense of how long it was going to take. Um and I think that I wished that um, I had known how much I was going to need to lean on other people. Uh, and sense. once I got the hang of how much, how important it was to lean on the support team at the franchisor, not just take what they gave me, but to actually reach out and ask them for help and to lean on my fellow franchisees. Once I got the hang of that, that I didn't have to be this island that did it all and knew it all. Mm-hmm. And the, the road to success got so much easier. Ah, what great advice for all of us. Thank you. Well, Danita, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story and the story of Pet Wants, which is a wonderful one. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you, Kathleen. It was great to talk with you today. Franchise U is brought to you by the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. For more information on the center, visit business.louisville.edu/yumcgfe. Thank you for listening to Franchise U.